Thanks. Always great to be with you here at Cornerstone. I consider you guys my church away from church because you're like my second church home, and it's always, I look forward to it very much, so thanks for, for having me back. So we have a big, a big thing that's happened in our lives this, this last month. Uh, our daughter Maggie started her senior year of high school, and uh, some of you have kind of gone on this journey with me, with my kids. You've probably heard about my kids since they were about two and three, and so you know that the idea of her actually graduating high school is a big deal. And, and we're so grateful that we're on that trajectory towards graduation. I sent her off the first day, and uh, I suppose I did what a lot of parents do. I, I got all nostalgic, and I was like, I remember the first day of kindergarten. And she like, looked at me and was like, yeah, thanks. Okay, bye. <laughs> so rather than uh, feeling upset, I indulged my own nostalgia. And I started thinking about when I started school, right? And I thought about uh, when I started kindergarten. And I remember so vividly what, what that was like. Now, uh, unlike today, when I started kindergarten, in kindergarten, you didn't actually learn like geometry and a foreign language. <laughs> you actually just learned like how to play with other people and lay down on a mat, still. <laughs> uh, it was awesome, actually. Uh, one thing I do remember from kindergarten was learning the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, I know not all of us here have had that experience, but for me, when I think about kindergarten, those two kind of go hand in hand because every day of school from that point on, I remember we would, we would stand up and in kindergarten we sat in a circle. We didn't have desks, so we'd get up in our little circle. And we'd, put our hand over our hearts, and we would say the Pledge of Allegiance. And you know, year after year after year, if you say something, eventually it just kind of becomes a part of you. You don't even really have to think about it. They call that you know, learning by rote. And so uh, I was thinking about that moment, about kindergarten, about that pledge, and then it kind of led me into thinking about the whole idea of allegiance and our summer series. Because here we've been talking about uh, heroes of faith and Heroes that kind of help us uh, integrate God's truth in our lives for today. And I was thinking about who I wanted to talk about, and immediately the, the person that came to mind was Samuel. I was drawn to Samuel because I really believe that Samuel helps us to understand what it means to give our allegiance not to something, but to someone. And that someone is God. I want to tell you just a couple things about Samuel. So Samuel was a prophet. Uh, he anointed the first two kings of Israel. So that's kind of a big deal. He uh, was the last in the line of Israel's judges. And the judges were the ones who kind of watched over and ruled Israel before the kings took over. So he had a prominent position in the nation of Israel. And uh, just as an aside, his name is often translated from the Hebrew, name of God. So he's got that going for him. <laughs> so resume is fairly impressive. Interestingly, Samuel's allegiance to God was formed even before he was born. His mother, Hannah, who had struggled to have a child, had promised to God that she would literally uh, give back the child that God gave to her, that she would take her child and she would uh, vow to have them be in the service of God. And so 
when Samuel was born, that's, that's exactly what she did. At about the age of four, he was taken to the tabernacle to serve with a high priest, a man named Eli. And I think it's kind of at this point in his life that uh, this incredible heroic journey of allegiance to God really begins to kind of get fleshed out. So I want to take a look um, at a passage with you in 1 Samuel chapter 3. You can find that in your handout and read it for you and then kind of pull apart how that helps us to understand how Samuel's heroic journey uh, can also be our own. 1 Samuel 3 begins this way. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, which just means it was still dark, so the daylight hadn't yet permeated the tabernacle. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel! Yes, Samuel replied. What, what is it? He got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And Eli replied, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel! Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And Samuel, after speaking to Eli, Eli says to him, I didn't call you, my son. I go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called out a third time. And once more, Samuel went up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. So I think Samuel gives us a good picture into what it looks like for us to give our allegiance to God. And I think the first way we can do this, we give our allegiance to God when we know our standing before God. Now, in this text, Samuel helps us along in knowing our standing because when he responds to God, he says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So we, we recognize that in relationship with God, we take the place of a servant. Now, let me be clear, this isn't meant to be a negative or you know, God being some big bully who's on a power trip. It just simply means that where God is concerned, our standing is always beneath God. We give God our allegiance because God deserves our allegiance, because he is the one who is over us. Interestingly, I think a lot of times we confuse allegiance with an alliance. Now, allegiance means you give uh, your unquestioning uh, loyalty 
to a superior as a subordinate. An alliance is sort of an agreement between people, and it's kind of a mutually beneficial thing. You, you work out terms, and then you work together. Probably the best example of alliances these days is found in reality TV. If you're a reality TV watcher, you'll know on a lot of these shows, uh, Survivor, you know, The Bachelor, uh, some other shows, people join together, usually kind of at the beginning in the middle, and they form alliances to get further on. So they say, I'll do this for you. If you do this for me, it's mutually agreeable. Now, the problem comes at the end, because only one person can win. <laughs> so usually the alliance uh, breaks up. Sometimes I think we kind of come to God that way. Like we go, mm, I think I'd rather have an alliance with you than give you my allegiance. Because I'd kind of like to have something work out for me, and then I'll work something out for you. But when, where God is concerned, it's, it's not really a conversation, to be honest, because God has allegiance whether we want to recognize it or not, because God is God, and we are not. Sometimes, you might notice, if you go into a room and say there's 10 people in a room, uh, over a period of time, someone comes out as the one in charge. Uh, they call this a pecking order. Now, I, I know about a pecking order because a couple of years ago, because we don't live in the city, we live in kind of the foothills, we got a couple of chickens. And I want to tell you how these chickens came to our house. They, they came to our house when I was in the hospital having my appendix out. Unbeknownst to me, at the time, my, my husband, I, I think in a moment of just fear and, and anxiety about my surgery, promised my daughter who I'm confident knew exactly what she was doing, <laughs> two chicks. And he didn't want to go back on his promise. So when I came home from the hospital, I, I was now the owner of two chickens. And I've learned a lot about pecking orders. Because even with two chickens, there was one chicken that dominated. And finally, dominated so much that this one chicken started pecking at the other one. It, didn't, it ended up not having any tail feathers. So Suffice it to say, the chickens that I did not ask for now have found a new home. <laughs> Sometimes, I, I, I think we forget that in God's economy, God is at the top of the pecking order, and no one can replace him. So if we're going to give our allegiance to God, we just simply have to start there and say, you know, as, as a person who is chosen by God, loved by God, seen um, with adoring eyes by God, I am his servant. I am the one who is uh, subordinate to him. And, and then when I give him my allegiance, my life just runs more smoothly. doesn't mean there aren't challenges. doesn't mean there can't be things that are difficult or frustrating. But it's the way, it's the way our lives were meant to roll. When we give God our allegiance, we're saying, I know my standing before you, God, and I'm your servant, and I, I want to give you uh, control of my life. So I think that's the first thing we can do. The second thing we can do is listen to the voice of God. When we give God our allegiance, we listen to his voice. Samuel uh, does this, and, he, and he's told by Eli, you know, when you hear God's voice say this, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So I, I was thinking about this because I've never had the experience of God calling my name out in the middle of the night audibly. Um, but there are lots of ways that we can listen to God, uh, if you think about it. Obvious one is the scriptures. 
you know, we have the benefit, which Samuel didn't have, of having the entirety of Scripture to go to to say, you know, what, what is the character of God? What would God's voice sound like? What's the, the nature of who God is? You know, what's the storyline of Scripture? Because like any great story, and of course Scripture is much more than a story, but a theme runs through it. And the theme is simply this, that God is so desperate for relationship with us. And he loves us so much that he will do anything, including sacrificing himself, to have us be in relationship with him and live our lives out of that place. That's the main storyline from beginning to end. There's lots of sub-stories that happen within it, but they all come back to the main theme. The scriptures is a great way for us to, to listen to God because we can begin to understand uh, as much as we're able the character of God and the vision and the values of God. When we listen to God, our entire world kind of realigns um, into his voice and how he speaks. For, for Samuel, he only knew one voice in that place. Uh, the voice of authority for him in the tabernacle was Eli. So when he heard a voice, his assumption was, it must be Eli. That's the voice of authority I know. We have the confidence of knowing that when God speaks to us, we can actually see it right before our eyes. Some of us, I know, aren't like big readers of the scripture. I actually really struggle to read scripture, so I listen to it because I like to hear it read to me. And in this day and age, it's so easy. I mean, you download it on your, you know, your phone and listen to it in your car. When I'm driving, I'm listening to scripture, which helps my driving so much. <laughs> so we can see that we can listen to God through the scriptures. We can listen to God through others in our lives who have gone just a little bit farther along in the listening process. Eli is this person for Samuel. He's been walking with God for a long time. He, he has learned to discern the voice of God. He knows what's his own voice. He knows what's God's voice. He's able to say, these voices out here, uh, those aren't the voice of God. This is. So when Eli realized God was calling to Samuel, he was able to say, hey, Samuel, listen to God's voice and do what he says. Uh, all of us need people like that in our lives. I have people in my life who are just further down the road from me and know God's voice better than me. So that when I can come to them, I can say, hey, uh, here's what I'm thinking, and I'm, I think I'm going to make this change. Or what, what do you think? They can often say, you know, Libby, I know you well enough to know that probably that's your voice you're listening to. Maybe not God's. And sometimes they'll say, yeah, I, I think that really is in line with where God, where God has been taking you and will take you. We all need people like that. We all need to be Eli's to people. You don't have to be the high priest in order to come alongside someone. We do it together. None of us are perfect in our walk with God, but all of us who have relationship with Christ are journeying together. So we basically take hands with those who are a little bit farther down the road and those who are a little bit behind, and we kind of walk through it together. That's the way we can hear God's voice and discern it. It's really a beautiful thing. That's how community works best. We know God's voice, we listen in our inner thoughts. If we're walking with Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in us, and, and God will speak to us in, in our thoughts. I was uh, in an elevator recently, and I just felt like being in the elevator by myself. And so I got in there, and I saw some people running to get the elevator. 
and I immediately pushed the closed door button, like multiple times, because I wanted the doors to close. And all of a sudden, in my mind, it was, it, I thought, that is not the hospitable thing to do. That's just that's selfish. Like, so I, I pushed the open door, and we, they came in, and we were together in the elevator, and it was just fine. That was me listening to the voice of God. Because God says, you know what, you're gracious to other people. That's part of who God is. And as a follower, I listen. Now, there's a difference between hearing the voice of God and listening to the voice of God. Because you can hear things and not listen to them. I mean, I don't know, sometimes I'll be in a conversation with my husband and he'll be talking and I'm, I'm hearing him just fine but I'm not listening to him. I'm not listening to him because maybe I'm reading a magazine and I'm in the middle of something that's really engaging my attention. I'm not listening to him because potentially I don't like what he's saying. I'm not listening to him because I'm listening to something else like my son or my daughter or the dogs barking. There's all kinds of things we can hear, but it's very different when we listen. Listening implies you're attuned. You're ready, you're taking in and potentially taking action. There are many, many times in my life where I hear God's voice, but I don't listen to it. I ignore it, I do something different. And if I'm going to give God my allegiance, I have to be willing to listen to it. Now, what about those of us who are here today who are kind of like Samuel? We've never really, we've, we've never heard the voice of God because we haven't known it. And today we're here and we're, we're listening, hopefully, and hearing about God wanting to be in relationship and calling out our name. And, and, and maybe today is the day where you go, oh my gosh, you know what? That, that prodding I had, that feeling I have, that's God speaking to me. And he's speaking to me to say, join me in this journey of life. And you have the opportunity to respond to that today. Like Samuel did, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What a great moment that could be for you today. I think the third thing we do is we trust God is in control. Okay, this, for me, is the hardest one, because trust is hard. Um, Samuel is a great example for us, because throughout his life he trusted God, and he often trusted God in circumstances that were not to his liking. And that, for me, is really helpful, because I can trust God in the spaces where I feel good about something, or it's uh, easy, but in the places where I don't feel good about it, or I'm uncertain, it's so much harder to trust God. Samuel trusts God when God gives him this message right after he says, speak, Lord, your servant, listen. God gives him a message, and it's not a happy message for Eli and his descendants. And the next morning, Eli comes to him, and he says, what did God say to you? Tell me everything. Don't leave anything out. Can you imagine being Samuel? I mean, this is what I would do. Should I lie? Uh, should I omit? Should I edit? Should I take something out? But Samuel says the whole thing because he trusts God. God said, tell him, and he told him. And Eli has learned over his lifetime to trust God, even when the news isn't what he wants to hear. And he responds, may it be so. He trusts that God knows what he's doing. Later on in Samuel's lifetime, God says to him, I want you to find and anoint a king. And Samuel says to God, that's a bad idea. 
I don't want to find a king, and I don't want to anoint a king. The system we have is working. Why should I get a king? And God says, because I said so. <laughs> He's the only one who can actually use that phrase, and it actually is true. Because God, God knew what Israel needed. Israel wanted a king for all kinds of reasons that really were not going to be helpful to them, but God said, I'm going to let them have a king, and I want you to find him and anoint him. And that's exactly what Samuel did. He wasn't excited about the plan. He didn't like the plan. He was not certain about the plan, but he trusted God. Now, here's the thing. Trust is the hardest work of faith there is. Because trust always involves risk. Think about it. You're in a relationship. You give someone your trust. You're, you're risking the possibility of betrayal. You trust in God, and you actually, you might walk away disappointed by what God gives you or the answer that you get because it's not the answer you want. There's all kinds of risk involving, involved in, in trust. Trusting God is really where we take the things that matter the most to us, the things that we hold on tightly. We white-knuckle around things like our futures, relationships, finances, health, those kind of things that really we care deeply about. And the risk is so high. And when we give God our trust, we let them go. That's where we give God our allegiance. We're not half in, we're all in. Now, some of us have had our trust betrayed. Some of us have been disappointed with God. But that doesn't mean God isn't trustworthy. We often take our experiences of life and sort of throw them up onto God and say, well, see, look, this happened to me here, so you must not be. But, but that's not who God is. God is actually the only one who's fully trustworthy. It may not be what I want, but that doesn't mean it's not the answer. It may lead me into places that make me uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean God has broken trust. God is so trustworthy, in fact, that he took the risk of entrusting himself to us. I think about it. Before we know it, we're going to be celebrating Christmas. Uh, and that's that moment in time where we, we think about, my gosh, God entrusts himself to us in the most vulnerable position someone can be in, a baby. And he keeps gaining our trust because he lives his life. He lives out the values that he has placed on humanity. He dies. He promises he will come back, and he does it. He builds upon his trust, and upon his trust, and upon his trust. God is worthy of being trusted because he has shown up time and time again. We put collateral in our banks of faith when we trust God. Eli had done it more than Samuel had. He knew. He knew. I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust. Because we give God our allegiance when we say, this feels uncertain, this feels scary, I don't like it, and I'm going to give it to you. It's a hard work of faith. But that's where allegiance really um, finds its flesh. So if we kind of hold those things together, this idea of knowing our standing and, 
and listening to the voice of God and trusting that God is in control, it kind of takes us to this question, I think. Am I giving God my allegiance? I mean, the takeaway for us this morning is, are we giving God our allegiance? And a couple of things I think you can do to kind of answer that question. The first thing I think we can do is we can practice honesty. Like, you know, sometimes with God, I, I kind of create this little story in my head about what I'll tell God about how I am, as though God doesn't know, and I'll fool him. You know, I'll go, oh, no, God, I, I, I trust you with, you know, for me, my biggest area of trust is my children because their futures are not standard futures of kids, and, and their lives have been difficult and have stretched me and stretched them, and I'm not sure what it's going to look like on the other side. So for me, that's my place. Uh, that's my place. And sometimes I just have to go, no, I don't want to entrust those kids to you. So I don't want to give you my allegiance. And we just have to be honest. Some of us here today are in that place where we're like, we're, we might be at a crossroads moment. And we're like, yeah, mm, no, I'm too afraid. Okay, start there. Some of us are like, I didn't even know I was supposed to give you my allegiance. So, gosh, okay, that's new information for me. We start there. But we have to be honest. You know, it's so much easier for us, and, and people do this in the scriptures, where we go, well, that person over there is not being honest with you, God, right? So much easier to point to the other than to point to ourselves. That's why Jesus said, hey, stop getting splinters out of your friend's eye when you have a giant log coming out of your own. I just love that visual. <laughs> I'm blind, completely blind in one eye, but you know, you've got, a, you've got an eyelash in there. Let's get it out. Right? God says, you know what? Stay here. Work here. Uh, don't worry about what somebody else's allegiance is. Worry about what yours is. So I think we have to be honest. The second thing is I think we uh, have to choose and practice giving God our allegiance. Allegiance is a choice. God doesn't shove it down our throats. He doesn't hold a gun to our head and say, give me your allegiance. He gives us the option to choose. So we have to make a choice. And I think it's a choice we have to repeat all the time. Earlier this month, I, I had the privilege of listening to one of my favorite authors and speakers uh, at the Willow Creek Leadership Summit, a woman by the name of Brene Brown, and she was talking about leadership, but she said, really, this applies to anybody. It doesn't really matter if you're a leader or not. But she said, you know, in life, you can choose, you can have comfort or you can have courage, but you can't have comfort and courage at the same time. That really struck me. You know, it was kind of one of those moments where I thought, wow, comfort and courage. And how do those work in me giving God my allegiance? I thought, man, I, I know that giving God our allegiance takes courage. Uh, and a lot of times, I'd rather be comfortable. Because giving God my allegiance means I might have to love someone I don't like. Be courageous. Giving God my allegiance means I might have to risk that I will get hurt or be disappointed. So I'd rather just not try and be comfortable. But that's not giving God my allegiance. We can choose to be comfortable. God gives us that option because that's how God is. But why would we choose comfort when we're giving God our allegiance when we could choose courage. And the courage we have isn't courage we have to muster up ourselves. It's courage God gives us. But we have to choose. There's no middle ground here. 
And we have to practice it. I mean, giving God our allegiance is a practice. It doesn't just happen magically. Oh, that fairy dust would be you know, sprinkled on us and we just always give God our allegiance. But that's not how it works. It has to become a practice in our lives for us to do it. And, and we have to do it a lot. And we will fail. I, I, I feel that's good news, and I know that sounds funny, but I think it's just good to know on the front end, you know what? In giving God our allegiance, you, you and I, we will fail. I've failed a million times. And God's not worried about the failure. What he wants for us is to get up from the failure. That's where the courage comes in. God isn't watching us on the ground going, loser, failure, oh my gosh. God wants us to get up and say, okay, I'm learning. That taught me something. Uh, I'm fixing my gaze back on you. My spiritual compass is going to true north. I'm giving you my allegiance. So don't worry about failing. You will fail. But you can practice rising up. I'm learning how to play the drums. I've been doing this for about a year or so. And I just always wanted to do it. And so today, of course, I've been fascinated watching our drummer, who is superb. And uh, I was worshiping, and it was, it's, you know, we're so fortunate to have such an amazing worship band. And I was worshiping, and then I was kind of like looking over here, and, you know, and just <laughs> watching it. You know, because drumming looks easy, kind of. You know, it's like golf. You go, how hard is that? And then you start to learn how to do it, and you're like, wow, this is really hard. This, this takes a lot of practice. So uh, at one point in time in my learning curve, we added hands and feet together. So you have to play bass drum, you have to play hi-hat, you got your, 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 and it was just impossible for me. I could not do it. I evidently didn't, don't have that coordination gene. I don't know, that's how I felt. I mean, I can still remember one day in the lesson, just to want to take my sticks and chuck them at my teacher and be like, this is stupid, get it. <laughs> but I'm determined. And so I practiced and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced. And then finally one day, the hands and the feet worked together. So I was thinking, you know, maybe the next time I come and speak, I'll actually be sitting over there. <laughs> our spiritual life is a practice. We have to practice giving God our allegiance. We have to ask ourselves this same question, am I giving allegiance to God, over and over and over again. God is the author of every one of our stories. God's the one who's written it. God knows how it ends. And God has placed us in the middle of our story. And here's where our story becomes heroic. Our story becomes heroic when we give God our allegiance. Because in those moments, that's when God takes someone like me and like you who's ordinary and transforms us into someone extraordinary. It's in those moments when we give God our allegiance where God takes the parts of us that are broken and wounded and messy and transforms them into something beautiful and sacred and powerful for his kingdom. God makes us the heroes of our story because God knows that when we give him our allegiance, that's where the story finds its power. We're all Samuels in our own way. And our story can be heroic like his if we keep our gaze fixed on the author of our story. I want to put my hand over my heart and I want to remember that pledge 
but I want my allegiance to always, first and foremost, be the author of my story, to God. That's who I pledge allegiance to. That's who we give our lives to. And that's the heroic moment over and over and over again. In a couple minutes, the band's going to come up and close us out in a song. We're going to have a time of giving. Before we do that, let me just close us in a word of prayer. God, you, you have written our stories. Uh, whether we know it or not, you've written them and you have placed us in the middle of them and our heroism comes when we acknowledge you're the author, you're the one in charge. We're going to listen to you. We're going to trust you. And in that whole process, God, we're going to be honest with ourselves and we're going to choose allegiance over and over again and practice it even when we stumble and fall. We're going to get back up because it's in those moments that the hero is born. God, give us the courage. Give us the courage to be men and women who take a message from Samuel and make it our own. And we give you our whole selves. In Jesus' name.